Thank you. Hi. <laughs> oh. Thanks for having me here. I'm really happy to be here, even though it took me a long time to get here. <laughs> um, I'm going to read a few newer pieces. Um, at the, one's, the first one's called A Destruction Story. In 1963, Oscar Brown Jr. wrote a song about a snake. It's an obvious sort of snake in the grass story. A woman finds a cold snake on the road, takes him home, feeds him milk and honey, and then she holds him to her bosom. He bites her as he lectures her that snakes bite. The snake gets the refrain in the song, take me in, tender woman, take me in for heaven's sake. Take me in, tender woman, sighs the snake. Brown took the story from Aesop, and Aesop's telling of it, a man is a knife. He warms the snake up by putting him in his coat, and when Brown sings the story, he reverses the genders. It turns the song into one about all those things men do to women, not just the violence, the rapes, the slaps to the face and yanks to the arms, but also yelling, belittlement, wolf whistles too. The long, tired history women know all too well. His voice is all slithery as he sings the snake upbeat, and so all the more ominous. Al Wilson sings Brown's song in 1968 with the heavy beat and fast tempo of Northern Soul. His voice squeaks not on the snake, but on the woman. It might be more confusion than complaint. It might be that the snake is Wilson pleading to be taken in. Oscar Brown Jr. always thought that music was his activism, so it is easy if one listens not only to hear divisions between genders, but what it means to be black and grow up as Brown did, as Wilson did, having to fight for the milk and honey. In 2016, Donald Trump treats the song like it is a poem. Sometimes he claims it was written by Al Wilson in the 1990s. Sometimes he attributes it to Al Green. It is about people coming into our country, he says. He reads it line break heavy, often pauses between words, his hand pointing for further emphasis as he multiplies the word vicious. And his understanding, the woman is a nation. The snake is all Syrians, and the poem is a series of easy mottos. Evil for good is often the return. The lesson is not to expect a reward from the wicked. Learn not to take pity on a scoundrel. The greatest kindness will not bind the ungrateful. Beware how you entertain traitors. What is this moment where snakes and women defend walls, fences, borders of all sorts? It's been said before that there's something that doesn't love a wall. Surely snake is something that doesn't love it. With women, I admit it's more complicated. But it is not just snake that doesn't love a wall. Neither Kryzik horse nor Uzbek black goat loves the barbed wire of the Kryzikstan-Uzbekistan fence. And the Turkoman horse and the Kazakh horse, both known for their stamina, don't love the barbed wire fence surrounded by unmarked landmines that is the Turkmenistan-Uzbekistan barrier. And even while the Spanish Imperial Eagle flies over, and even while the Moroccan Jurd scampers underneath the fences of Sueta and Mayo borders, all of them topped with barbed wire monitored by underground cables that are connected to spotlights, noise, and movement sensors, even to tear gas canisters, still no love. Same with the much more modest fence along the Yalu River, even as it does nothing to stop the Chinese egret from perching and the Korean spruce. The Afghan vole and the Uzbek nightjar always scatter without love when the heavily armed Uzbek soldiers patrol near the two barbed wire fences, one of them electrified, both with landmines in between. 
and the Arabian leopards split by the barbed wire fence of the United Arab Emirates Oman barrier also have no love. Both the Malaysian ant, despite its fighting, take no prisoners and sacrifice the self-explosive tendencies, and the secretive and nocturnal Borneo Bacan have no love for the Brunei Malaysia security fence. And neither the Indian eagle owl nor the Bengal tiger has love for the barbed wire and concrete of the India-Bangladesh barrier. The Israeli West Point apartheid wall is not loved by the Palestine viper, nor would it be by the Israeli painted frog. There are more, but I don't need to go on, right? Oscar Brown Jr. always thought that music was his activism. He merged songwriting with social commentary about being black in America. He once wrote a black power manifesto in the form of an opera. Muhammad Ali starred in it. In 1967, he made Opportunity Please Knock with the Blackstone Rangers, a sprawling, decentralized gang in Chicago. It featured the Rangers in colorful pastel costumes dancing and singing and drumming. The Blackstone Rangers, like many gangs, were something hard to define, something communal and something criminal, fierce and protective. Al Wilson also complicated. He grew up in the segregated South, much aware of its oppressions, but he seems to have spent his later years calling into Rush Limbaugh's radio show. It is not necessarily true that toil can become ecstasy. Not necessarily true that prose can be an epic song. Not necessarily true that I can inventory these nation-divided singularities back into collectives. All is snake. Art too is snake, awkward in its murmurations at moments, something going a wee-wee-wee and a twee-tee-too. And then the next, a dry raw that varies in pitch and provides a sort of beat that mixes with the witch-witch-witch-witch-tree-ree-ree-ree-ree, -ree -ree -ree, only to be broken by snakes and short, sharp ship. Together we still recircle, now dense like a polished roof, now disseminated like the meshes of some vast, all-heaven-sweeping net, wheeling, rending, darting, the air heavy with a ceaseless sweep. What else is there to do? As there is no other way than this impossible murmuration. The twist and turns of the wing in this moment, the great roar, roar as at first Yemen sarans with Syrian sarans make a while close about it, then out, but at the same moment seem drawn back into it again, bouts of flapping with gliding on closed wing, into the throbbing mantle of life and joy, and the larks are there too. The eastern Iraqi desert larks and the Somali short-toed larks circling despite preferring not to form large flocks. They are there still, there with the Libyan blue tits, awkward in the murmuration as they usually flit about. But the highly gregarious Sudan golden sparrows show them the twists and turns of the wing, and with a mighty commotion, we are swept together into one enormous cloud, tearing, crossing, piercing. All is together, like it or not, as through the many wings we see the black, dark corners of the sunset, and not just the sunset, but also that jaguar, the one we call El Jefe, the one who sleeps among the oaks, oaks of the Santa Rita Mountains by day, the one who wakes at night to move back and forth across the border as if it did not exist. He claims 20 miles and shares them with others, not just with the Chirachua leopard frog and not just with the southwestern willow flycatcher, but also, also with the northern Mexican garter snake. He has a heart-shaped rosette on his right hip and a question mark over the left side of his ribcage. And then um, I was going to read this... Um, poem that I wrote with um, Joshua Clover and um, I published it and I have, I have copies of it over there for free, um, which we kind of give out. Um, 
at readings. Um, I have a 12-year-old son, and I heard him describing my work the other day to his friend, and he was like, it's got a lot of cuss words in it. <laughs> Which makes me think, because I, I think maybe this is, he might have seen me read this or something. I was like, what is it? Um, but anyway, it's called The 24th Thesis, The Misanthropocene, and I wrote it with Joshua Clover um, for a reading once, actually. First of all, fuck all you all. Second of all, we would like to be violet-haired, pure, honey-smiling Sappho, hanging out at all hours of the day and night in the air-conditioned 83,200 a night Royal Penthouse Suite at the Hotel President Wilson with 12 bedrooms and 12 marble bathrooms plus a wraparound terrace with views of the Alps, singing the praises of Anactoria. The misanthropocene has proven to be a time when this is possible for some and not for others. Third of all, it keeps busy. It makes desert bloom, it makes luxury towers, just like it makes architects. It makes blockbusters and it makes producers to make them. It makes universities, roads, conceptual poets, it makes oil, drum, pyramids, it makes ships of a size called Malacamacs. It makes endless small plastic representations of the African jungle or plains animals and fish ingest them and vomit them up or don't. And there they sit in their stomachs and there they die. Fourth of all, you know, it. The it seems to be nothing but the doing of the world, as in it's raining. It's raining men is a moment of happiness within the misanthropocene. Fifth of all, but then there is this other rain tilting in to soak vast acres of euro dollars, and we call this West Melancholy. West Melancholy is related to, but not the same as the misanthropocene. Sixth of all, when we speak of time, we speak of processes, things going bad. We speak of entropy and the shedding of particles, a cold calcium fountain deep underground. Seventh of all, the sheer scale of the misanthropocene. Our minds feel small and inert. Once every fragment seemed to bear within it the whole, now the whole being too large for the mind to see stands before us, as always, as a fragment. Eighth of all, fragments. The new sapphic rage, fuck water garden condos, camel garden condos, royal garden, sea garden, garden city, beach, and everyone who lives in condos named after gardens. One day, gardens will come to get you. If they don't, we will do it for them. Ninth of all, fuck the French Revolution, the concept of the Quintel, Burning Man, England as a nation of shopkeepers, capital L, literature, and the citizens of Passé. Fuck Whole Foods Sustainability, the Piketty Craze of 2014, Harvard University Press, Indie Rock, and Fight Club. Fuck Community Policing, Fuck Post-Structuralism, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, the Rock Banjo. Fuck Critiquing the Rock Banjo, Fuck Self-Reflexive Meta-Commentary about Critiquing the Rock Banjo. Fuck Cupcakes and or Park Slope, Fuck the Martini. Fuck your Noguchi coffee table, fuck the crisis in the humanities, Jonathan Safran Forrest, Chipotle cup literature, home ownership, HBO, and fuck patentably explaining that the bourgeoisie doesn't really apply to any part of the U.S. class structure. Tenth of all, fuck the profiling of sand from the bottom of the ocean floor and the high arc so as to construct new islands. Fuck that this is called a rainbowing. Fuck any sort of dredge. Fuck how racehorses don't get to fuck each other, but instead the stallion is trained to mount a dummy mare made of plywood. And fuck a heated plastic vagina. Fuck the prince of any country ever. Fuck Palm Jumeirah and Palm Jabal Ali and Atrazine. Fuck everyone who has bought a big bag of ant poison because ants have a social stomach and you are one selfish motherfucker if you can't let them have the very small amounts of food they want to share equally among themselves. And fuck this list with its mixture of environmental destruction and pop cultural smugness. And fuck every one of you that laughed at that rock banjo joke and fuck us all for writing it. 
In fact, not just the Google bus, but the Google doc this point rode in on. In fact, as we're sitting here reading you a rock banjo joke while the New Mexican meadow jumping mouse went extinct. In fact, that this happened two days and 20 hours ago. In fact, that next up is this year, Nevada yellow-legged frog, because we've always liked frogs. They're vulnerable skin, our vulnerable skin. Eleventh of all, in fact, that self-insulating move where you call yourself on your own bullshit to prove you aren't self-righteous. Fuck it for just being a version of liberal please don't hit me politics. And seriously, how did this poem come to re revolve around the rock banjo? Twelfth of all, the tempo of the misanthropocene has been measured precisely by the decay of the workers' movement. Zero o'clock came and went. More West melancholy. Fuck Robert Berger, Manier Hadir, and Scott Hutchinson. They are but bit players in this misanthropocene, but fuck them and everyone who has ever been nice to them. That was 13th of all for those of you counting, and that list is just the beginning. It ends with the names of everyone at this reading. Ben Furstenberg, Natalie Cornflakes, Andrew Knauer, Juliana Spar, Brian Glasscock, happy birthday, but fuck you, Wendy Trevino, fuck Joshua Clover, Jean Fool, and Ali Bektos, because those motherfuckers from the beginning of this section are still alive, and we haven't yet killed them. 14th of all, back to that banjo. If you've ever imitated that dueling banjos riff, fuck you and your homophobia. 15. Unable to bear their loans, the graduates and the dropouts drift off from the formal economy into student favelas cheek by jowl with the new poolings of the wage diaspora, and we act as if this informalization has nothing to do with the misanthropocene, but really, that's just what it is. 16. And our nostalgia for when students were students and workers were workers is the formal reign in this poem. Fuck your West Melancholy. 17th of all, that's what she had it. 18th of all. You know that moment when you realize that there's nothing to be done and you just walk outside because you need to get away from the family form, perhaps? Maybe from the home you own, sort of, or the bank does, or maybe just the cat's constant mewing. And yet, whatever it is that family, dead or cat, stands in for comes with you. And so you start to walk down the street to see if you can get away and you can't for whatever it is follows you as if it knows you and the way that your undergraduate institution knows you that always knows your address to send you requests for money even if you just moved last week sort of way. And it is dark out and there's a small moon so not much light and even the street light doesn't work and the street is darker than usual and you sit down on a low concrete fence that surrounds the neighbor's house and you realize there is nothing that can be done to get rid of this thing that you need to get away from. And so you just sit there staring out into space, getting cold, thinking about the short, strong legs and small ears and eyes of the Yelm pocket gover, and how their lips close behind their front incisors, how they use their front incisors for burrowing, how as they burrow, their soft, loose pelts enable them to move backwards to their tunnels as easily as they move forwards, how they have, how they have two oh-so-soft fur-lined cheek pouches extending from the lower portion of their face to their shoulders, that they use to transport food, and these can be turned completely inside out. And how the UC Davis website notes that gophers are non-game mammals, which means that anyone can control them at any time and in any legal manner. And so they recommend trapping, baiting with toxic baits, fumigation, exclusion dogs, chewing gum, laxities, vibrating stakes, and glass explosive, gas explosive devices. And you think about these things with despair and sapphic rage because you can't bear to think about whatever it is that is only realizable as a family, the debt, the cat, and thinking about the almost extinct soft fur-lined cheek pouches that at least let you feel. Fuck that moment most of all. Fuck that moment most of all when you have to write an essay about the avant-garde and you begin with resentment for this essay filled with resentment for the people who ask you to write it, filled with resentment for yourself. 
filled with resentment for the idea of the avant-garde, but you start writing because you exist only in the phrase, you start writing. And then halfway through, you start to feel like maybe you do care about the avant-garde and would like to be part of the avant-garde and would like to arrive at a party wearing a caterpillar for a mustache and have parts of your laugh life transpire in a subtly lit gallery when, I don't know, Zurich or something, just a white room filled with a sweet feeling called West Melancholy. And you feel this even as you are completely aware that what you are writing is of the genre, studies and comparative whiteness, and the avant-garde is lower limit, terrible idea, upper limit, totally unnecessary. And even as you are aware of these things, you are really moving in the essay. You are listening to Pharrell and Shakira and Iggy Azalea, who are not the avant-garde, but you are moving. You are making short paragraphs about the avant-garde. And the short paragraphs make you feel empty and clean, like you haven't eaten for a day or two. The short paragraphs make you feel empty and clean, not like you are a Zurich gallery with subtle writing and almost nothing on the walls. No, you are not the gallery, but you are filled with the same sort of sensation, with the melancholy of the text, with text melancholy, and the problem is this 19th of all, the, pr the problem is this, is you have friends you like and friends you don't like. And you can sort of imagine the friends you don't like milling around the gallery, possibly exchanging the special kind of one eyebrow up glance that conveys your, conveys your Twitter handle directly to the minds of others. But you cannot imagine the friends you like being in the gallery together. And then you remember you can't imagine the friends you like being in the same room together in general and that the last year or two has been characterized by the impossibility of people being in the same room together, whether you like them or not. And this is so much the case that you are glad when one of your enemies moves away because fuck them, but also you are glad when one of your friends moves away because even though you are in Oakland, center of the universe, this seems, this seems like getting out. And this is the truth of things, not the avant-garde, not the gallery, not the caterpillar, that is your, not your mustache, not even the Miami blue butterfly caterpillar which is the next caterpillar to go extinct. Oh, Miami. But the rifts that now make up roughly 70% of all social life, and you feel the rifts as truth, because the hatred is real, the hatred is an objective force, like dad is an objective force, and the wage and the heat and the end of the world are objective forces, and the rifts in the sense objective, and you call this objectivity the misanthropocene. 20 of all, this is how the misanthropocene ends. We go to war against it. My friends go to war against it. They run howling with joy and terror against it. I go with them. 21. This is how to set an oil well on fire. Rub and lean against it. Spread your front legs and swing your neck at it. The power of a blow depends on the weight of your skull and the arc of your swing. Then sparks. 22. Here's how to take out the electrical grid, pierce the switching protection and control equipment and transformers with hypodermic genitalia, and eject into the circuit breaker so as to short circuit or overload currents. Small distribution stations may use recloser circuit breakers or fuses for protection of distribution circuits. These two can be pierced by the introduction of a specialized intermittent intramittent organ with an external groove overlaying the pleural membrane and the fuse wall. 23. Here's how to capsize a container ship. Swim along behind it in a train, then grip with the teeth and continue to swim as you insert your clappers into the colloquia and pump. 24th of all. Here's how to kill a policeman. Here's how to abolish culture. Here's how to knock out a Boeing AH-64D Apache longbow. Here's how to loot a grocery store. Here's how to levitate the Pentagon. Sappho, Sappho, Sappho. Not by chanting. And then, um, I've been writing um, 
this is really new. In fact, I was still working on it on the airplane, on my mini airplanes. Um, and um, I've been writing this, I've been on this editorial board of this journal um, that I started with some other people that's kind of like an, an ultra-left political journal. And um, there's this anarchist of, um, you know, the early 20th century that was writing, writes these things that were called like novels in three lines, like Luke Santi translated it under that title. Um, it's Felix Fanonian. And um, I was trying, I've been writing this kind of like, I don't know whether you call it a column or section for the first four issues that are these kind of like three line haiku type of things um, or quote unquote novels. Um, about kind of current events in that tradition. And um, I'm going to read some of them now. And I've, I've divided them in, and this wasn't how they were published, but I've divided them into, I think, three or four sections. Um, one, the flea, the ground beetle, the red ant, the plume bird, the sleeping dragon, the snake, but also communal meals, mutual aid assemblies. Assemblies and blockades, marches, virgils, campfires. Multiple actions in parallel, a regrouping, or rather a confluence of a much larger scale than the original. Every technique was tried. A woman locked herself to a barrel of concrete, a lobster boat blocked a freighter carrying coal. Over a thousand showed up to occupy the convention center when chairs turned to shields. Some dressed in tiger outfits and others wore business suits and arrived in chauffeur jaguars to storm the Exxon headquarters. Militants bought pipeline after pipeline almost every day that hot summer, then agreed to stop in exchange for a monthly stipend from the government. They threatened to shut down the airport if they were tear gas, they were tear gas, the airport shutdown is still on their to-do list. She regretted many things she had done in her life, but bombing the United States Armed Forces Recruiting Station in Times Square was not one of them. We thought of it as a summer of large banners, big marches. Later, we realized it was actually the summer we first noticed the insect apocalypse. It was cold where we were that winter, but elsewhere, the Larson bee calved a different sort of sleeping dragon. The communards had the chance to seize the Bank of France, but Francie Jordi chose prudence. Either way, Notre Dame did burn. Two, as grocery bags, shampoo bottles, children's toys, and bulletproof vests proliferate, average agricultural yields decline. Huge mats of seaweed, the result of above average sea temperatures and nutrients in the Amazon River regularly cross the Saragossa Sea, the only sea with no territorial boundaries. Thousands of dead fish washed up on the Miramar beach. Fish were spotted swimming in the Dead Sea. Many, many turned to biblical prophecy for explanation. Record high summer heat and low rainfall led to forest fires in Jokmok, a town on the Arctic Circle surrounded by boreal forest. Most Swedish fire stations have a simple car and three staff firefighters. Purple loosestrife blooms 24 days earlier in Concord than it did a century ago. Bees, blinded by the changes, are confused. Last summer, various news agencies used the same headline. The Atlantic and Pacific Ocean hurricane season is the most powerful on record this year. In the weeks after Florence, cottonmouths slithered on the land and fire ants held onto each other so as to float atop the waters. 
after the accidental release of a Burmese python, a Florida backyard has fewer raccoons, possums, and bobcats, but more mice. In the New York City region, multiple raccoons were wandering aimlessly in a circle, acting disoriented, sometimes paralyzed. In Nepal, the last two dancing bears were moved into a sanctuary. The bears demonstrated signs of trauma, head weaving, paw sucking, pacing, mewling, and aggression. There are fewer than 50 years of oil in the reserves, probably 80 years of natural gas. Coal remains plentiful. There are more trees in the world this year than last year because of global warming, human effort, and large farm abandonments. It is cooler and wetter. There's more light. Germany has 82% fewer insects. Suicide, interpersonal violence, and intergroup conflict rise with the temperature. The land or ice is literally shifting beneath our feet. Solastalgia combines the Latin word for comfort and the Greek root for pain so as to describe melancholia deriving from environmental change. Instagram users who search for selfies with wildlife are warned by a pop-up warning that says, these images are illegal. Show posts is the next button. Three. Numerous people posted selfies that showed them falling out of a car, their most prized belongings scattered around them. Last year, Corian Long turned an aerosol can into a flamethrower and directed it at a man carrying a Confederate flag. This year, protesters chant, Corian Long did nothing wrong. This year in Memphis, cop cars are flipped and lit on the anniversary of Pulse's 49 dead, 36 officers and deputies hurt. And Alora Hardwick went into labor the same day Brandon Weber was killed. I'm so lost for words and everything. And the cops killed William von Spronson for trying to liberate the Tacoma camp. In the movie, they'll be dressed as Nazis. Today's Nazis wear Freddie Perry polo shirts, even though the company claims Fred Perry was a red diaper baby. Last year, fears about the border wall raised the price of avocados 125%. This year, numerous burger shops added avocado to their menus. Meanwhile, overdose deaths involving opioids nearly doubled as the return on investment for fentanyl grew to between 10 and 30 times as high as it is for heroin. A group of doctors met to discuss the possibility of safe houses for abortions and the subsequent training that they will do should Roe v. Wade be overturned. A high school football player was allowed to play after being declared ineligible because he was homeless. He scored the first, first touchdown in the game. Amazon Prime Day kicked off at 3 p.m. The site immediately crashed. Thousands of warehouse workers went on strike. And this is for, I think this is the one that's coming out that's pretty much intact. Um, it has a bunch of city names I don't really know how to say, so um, feel free to correct me afterwards. Um, in Turkey, a 26-year-old said, I don't get any pleasure out of life as he left the country with 253, 640 others. People in poor countries are becoming more introverted. And Yabukoa, to mark the anniversary of Hurricane Maria, a singer sang Amerser Boransano at 6.15 a.m. on September 20th. In Brazil, after the election, Bolsonaro supporters rushed to the university to show that the right had arrived. Students at Brasilia University refused them entry, chanting, Fora, Fora, Fora. In Khartoum, they opened fire, then shut down the internet. Still, the people's fire spread. 
In Hong Kong, a man in a yellow raincoat jumped to his death after unfurling a banner, two million mourners left behind miles of flowers. In Paris, lost eyes, hands blown off, the march of the mutilated was 200 strong. In Kabylie, the portrait of the president was torn down and teens spray painted the side of the post office. For the first time, I don't want to leave you, my Algeria. In Garzweiler, a woman dressed in white coveralls slipped through the police line. She and a hundred others slid down into the coal pit. Extraction was briefly stopped. In San Juan, the flags, the drums, renuncia becomes renunciar, generalized across the flooded aisle. In Port-au-Prince, men carrying a casket abandon it in front of the National Palace after police tear gas them. They vow to return later in the day. The price of crude closed that day at just over $62 a barrel, light shining hot through feral nights. And then I'm going to end with um, a shorter piece. I was asked to write something. I'm really obsessed with this Danish poet named Inger Christensen, which you haven't read. You should actually read. Nodding heads, yay. Um, and um, I was asked by um, someone in Denmark to write something. Um, and I was trying to figure it out, and I, this is just what I wrote. And they there used as kind of like the title or the beginning of it as this quote from Christensen, which was, the Cold War never seemed to end. And I thought, why write poetry? Why not write something useful? To write poetry after Castle Bravo, to write poetry after 1,500 feet, after high-quality steel-framed buildings not completely collapsed except all panels and roofs were blown in, after 2,000 feet, after reinforced concrete buildings collapsed or standing but badly damaged, after 3,500 feet, after church buildings completely destroyed, after brick walls severely cracked, after 4,400 feet, after 5,300 feet, after roof tiles bubbled, melted, after 6,500 feet, after mass distortions of large steel buildings to write the Cold War and doves, Cold War and tapeworms, the Cold War and sails of ships, the Cold War and the steel of bridges, to write poetry after that. To write in a world with few nutrients, one that rocks back and forth, the same beginning in both the sea and the land, death and then life, and also life and then death. To write poetry that knows a hard cup-shaped skeleton and then long stinging tentacles capturing, knows the water, the Atlantic and the Pacific, the connections between them, the one moving into the other. To develop poetry in the stomach that then exits out the mouth, which is the anus. To write poetry in the blue that is the absence of green, light penetration, whirls of tentacles, the slime earth too. Hunters and farmers, shallow water, few nutrients, high fecundity, rapid growth, multi-armed morphology, and two feet. To write two feet. To write the exact place, seaward, slope place, sea, terrace place, algal, ridge place, coral, algal, zone place, seaward, reef, flat place, islet or inter-island reef, crest place, lagoon, reef, flat place, lagoon, terrace place, lagoon, floor or basin place, coral, knolls, pinnacle and patch reefs place, the Cold War place. Meanwhile, the sun rises and the sun sets. Thank you. <laughs>